0: They're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life.
1: No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions.
0: 18 plus. Hey, this is your host, Paul Etzvider Jr., and I'm here to remind you that if you have access to iTunes, we ask that you rate and review the show. That way, we'll be able to climb the charts and continue to deliver bigger and better guests so that we can continue the Educated Hustle journey. And now, let's start the show.
2: Welcome to the Educated Hustle podcast. This is your host, Paul Atterdard Jr. and my co-host, Emilio Porter. Emilio, what's going on, man? It's going
1: good, man. It's going good. We're coming live and direct out here from pre Irma in the lovely Atlanta, Florida. But you know, the hurricane ain't gonna stop the hustle, man.
2: I hope not, man. I hope you still got your house by the time this thing over.
1: <laughs> if not, I might be. <laughs> I might be up there in Michigan asking, y'all got a, y'all got a dollar? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I feel you, man. Um, yeah, definitely been crazy the last. Uh, week or so, just kind of. Uh, I'm in Michigan, as you guys probably know, but um, just kind of checking in with my family, they're all in South Florida. And you know, we, we as Floridians are pretty used to hurricanes. You know, every time a hurricane comes up, it's like, all right, man, we just gonna experience a little bit of rain and then get back to it. But this hurricane has been, you know, one of the, like record winds and crazy storms, it, d- it destroyed, you know, the uh, the the islands that it's already hit so uh we just want to make sure that you know we're prepared and everybody who's in florida that's in the danger zone make sure they get out find safety and hopefully you know we it doesn't all it does is do property damage and people don't have to lose their lives because of the hurricane
1: yeah uh definitely definitely what we hope for it as as least amount of damage as possible you know my girlfriend sophia she's she's from Indianapolis, so she's like all in, like, oh my god, what if this happens? What if a cow comes through for the for the for the, for the door? What are we going to do? How do we protect <laughs> against that? And I'm just like, you know, in my years being a hurricane, I haven't really seen anything fly through the door, knocking on wood till y'all can hear it. So I'm like, I, I I think we'll be straight, but you know, with her, this is going to be her first real, real hurricane because we had a little storm last year, but that was just nothing but some rain, some, you know, overcast, but this is going to be the, the real thing. So we'll see. We're hoping right now it's projected to be about uh, category three or so but you know I think the thing that sums up a lot of Florida's is I saw this meme of LeBron James smoking a cigarette it was shot. <laughs> it said something to the effect of he was saying I don't care category five category three category two I'm still gonna be in Florida Florida in five which is a it's a <laughs> reference to those who don't know to the basketball um, tournament style finals where basically how many uh, games will take to win so even spoken, LeBron believes Florida's gonna overcome, which we usually do, man. We're 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 a strong, a strong state. We get a lot of flack, but we do overcome when it comes to these hurricanes. So, like I said, hope for the best. Hope that we're able to come out stronger and better, and of course, get our lives back to normality by this time next week.
2: Yeah, man, and uh, I definitely think we'll be back to it. You know, we've been off a couple of weeks now, but. You know, we definitely had to get some things straightened out first, and now we're back into our weekly routine. And uh, we've met a couple people that's, uh we were excited for the next couple of weeks. This first week up, we got uh, Marsha McNair. She is the founder of Sisters on Fire, and basically, Sisters on Fire is a um, you know a great piece of work. It's like a it's like a a musical. Uh, which is a little bit different than a than your typical musical. You know, it's like a it's like a musical with a purpose. And uh, she's gonna be on to kind of tell you her story, how she founded Sisters on Fire. It was really a grassroots project that she started ten years ago, and it's really blown up to to uh, where she's having sold out shows in New York City. I mean, if you can sell out New York City, that's a pretty good goal for you to then you have a pretty good piece of work on your hands, you know?
1: Yeah, and I, I think that's one of the cool things about her is that she's had free performances at uh, a certain, I believe it's a festival. So to be able to do those sold-out performances and get that recognition is incredible. And then when you talk to Marsha, she is just knowledgeable. She is very, very knowledgeable. She, you know, if you listen to the podcast you just listen to her, you are going to learn a lot of things that you really didn't know uh about, really, I mean, I'm not going to steal her down but there's a lot of gems to be gained, a lot of greatness that she says in her words, and I really do felt like it was not only just an interview, but it was like sitting down with someone who's letting you know this is how the world works, and she has such a great mind and a, and a great personality, and I really am thankful to have her on, because she definitely did bring her own style, her own finesse to educate us all, and I think she's going to go down the books as one of the, the, the top personalities that's come
2: through this year. Yeah, most definitely. And uh, she definitely brings that knowledge because she's also a professor uh, at the uh, Nassau Community College. And, you know, she's definitely part of the vote movement. You know, she wants young people to get more involved in politics and more involved in their communities and definitely more involved in the education process. You know, she's seen it firsthand uh, for being a professor for so long that. You know, our education system is not as strong as it used to be. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's definitely going to drop some knowledge about what we can do to improve that for future generations. Exactly.
1: And you know what? I mean, I don't feel like we have to delay it any any further. We're trying to we're trying to outrun this Hurricane Irma. So without further ado, let's get to Miss Marsha McNair.
0: All right, and today's guest, we have a professor and the creator of Sisters on Fire, Marsha McNair. Marsha, how you doing today?
3: I'm fine, thank you.
0: All right, that's good. And we just wanted to start off by asking, you know, what exactly is Sisters on Fire?
3: Well, Sisters on Fire is a new play about race and gender and
0: sisterhood.
1: And that's. You know that's a very important topic in society because everyone has their own opinions, and I, I mean even in the news today you can see the controversial opinions on race, gender, and of course sisterhood. So I wanted to ask, you know, what inspired Sisters on Fire, and could you tell us what are differences from when you first out of it to where to where it is now, where people see it on stage?
3: Well, I came up with the idea in 2007 when um, the Execution of Frances Newton, who was the first woman to be executed, or African-American woman to be executed since 1869, received very little media coverage. And so I reached out to uh, my writer friends and asked them if they had written anything about the current state of the world in terms of social injustice. I received uh, poetry prose, uh, music. And so from that, those submissions, I actually chose a few. And I now have a co-writer who is Professor Anissa Moore, who works alongside me at Nassau Community College. And the work uh, also features the poetry of Natasha Nurse, who is one of the uh, founders and the CEO of Dressing Room 8, and an African-American real who lives on Long Island named Sister Girl. And so these were, I guess you could call the the, the finalists, the, the, the writers who I felt had the strongest pieces. We uh, originally started just doing The play as a series of readings, but the response from the audience was so overwhelmingly positive that we knew we had the makings of a performance. And so that reading, which was originally called Diary of a Mad Black Feminist, (laughs) (laughs) tough title, but uh, that play or that series of readings um, morphed into Sisters on Fire unusable,
1: and that is amazing. There's a lot of knowledge you dropped there too, and I, I know I'm gonna have to go back and listen and look up look up everything you say because that's that's crazy. How it received no immediate play. The first African American execution since the 1800s. That's
3: wow. Right, Francis Newton, and it really was so disturbing to me that it received so little media coverage, I realized that it was time for African-American women to start speaking for themselves because we really couldn't look to anyone else to speak for us. And, and probably we shouldn't. We should be uh, controlling our own message. And so uh, I think that out of that, that tragic situation, we created something good.
0: And yeah, that's really great that you're able to, you know, kind of create something out of a negative situation. And, you know, I, I wanted to, you know, have you have the opportunity to describe some of the main characters of the play. Uh, and then a follow up question to that would be, which character do you relate to the most?
3: Well, the plot of the play is that a young college student is doing a research paper on a pressing social issue. She is interviewing four passionately opinionated African-American women on what they think is the most important social injustice right now. And so the women are all different and they have different perspectives. But this storyline allows us to cover a lot of the social injustice issues that African-American women face uh, in general. We look at missing African-American women and how, again, very little media coverage. Yet, if you are a blue-eyed blonde, and you were missing. They never seem to forget you. Um, I recently noted that um, on there's some cable network that is doing documentaries on Chandra Levy and Natalie Holloway, and I think um, these two young women have been missing for at least ten, maybe fifteen years. Um, But what strikes me is that people are very familiar with their names and their stories, but there are over 64,000 missing African-American women in this country. You don't hear about that much. And so um, this storyline we have of the college student uh, interviewing these different women um, allows us to Uh, cover issues like that the characters do not have names they're meant to be archetypes and Mm -hmm. so we have the college student we have the professor who has given her the original assignment we have the um, mother whose son was killed by the police we have another woman who was displaced by Hurricane Katrina and they all get a chance to talk about their their pain and their struggle. And in doing so, we are able to educate the audience on all of these issues, such as Katrina, uh, such as missing African-American women and girls. Uh, We even get a chance to cover male, female, relationships. (laughs) (laughs) relationships. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the, the play uh, really um, covers the history um, very much. Um, Professor Moore is quite a historian and has added a lot of the background um, to some of these issues. And um, we look at the racial stratification here out on long island you know on the apartheid index with 100 being strict apartheid long island ranks a 70 which is actually absolutely um (laughs) shocking i mean you think about it i mean come on you know absolute apartheid was we we think of apartheid as being something that you know happened in south africa um but if you look at that index uh, Long Island is r- ranked to 70. This is a very racially stratified uh, part of the country. And so we wanted to educate people about that as well.
1: And that's incredible. I mean, that's, that's a, lo- a lot of layers, a lot of depth. So that's amazing to hear. And and think one of the cool things about it is, you know, Sisters on Fire is known as a, as a musical. And you've actually written several novels. Could you tell us, like, how is it different writing Sisters on Fire as it would be a traditional novel?
3: Well, Sisters on Fire is a collaborative work, as I think I noted. um, It's not just my writing, but it is the writing of several other people. Um, Also, Sisters on Fire is a mix of poetry, prose, song, and dance. Now, my first novel, Emails, um, was exactly that. It's a play on words and it's spelled E M A L E S, but it was comprised almost entirely of of the real email correspondence I had with my um, ex college roommate. And so I, the 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 big difference I think for me though is um, this idea of working collaborati- co- collaboratively <laughs> <hopefully>, um, <laughs> with other writers versus when you are writing a novel, it's a solo project and you're much more you know in control of the content. I think what I've learned from working on um, Sisters on Fire, um, which is a non-traditional play in that it is a collaborative work and it is a mixture of poetry, prose, song, and dance, is uh, how to work with others, how to play well with others. And (laughs) um, the advantages of having more than one pair of eyes and ears Uh, on your work, Uh, something that I might think sounds great. Other people say, maybe not so much, let's tweak it. And so that's wonderful. Um, When you're working on a novel, you don't necessarily get that kind of immediate feedback until you have someone else read it or it even goes to an editor.
0: And yeah, that's that's a huge difference. And I think um, I wanted to get, you know, more to the play. So say, you know, I'm watching Sisters on Fire and I'm done watching it. What would be the sticking point that you would want me to have when I'm on my way home to take to the rest of the you know, to take the rest of my day or the rest of my life? What what is a sticking point that you want your audience to grab? We want
3: our audience to become more aware of the social injustices facing African American women in this country. But more importantly, I think we want people to take a stand against social injustice. People have become um, quite apathetic in terms of what can they really do to make the world a better place. I think it was a certain apathy that resulted in the election of Donald Trump. People didn't vote. Uh, We want to galvanize people again. We want to shake them up so that they will stand up. And you can make a difference in your community, in society, in the world, but you have to take action. And I think Many people haven't taken action because they are unaware of certain situations. Um, most of the audiences, after they've seen the play, um, come up to us and say, "I had no idea about those numbers." So we use a lot of facts and s- statistical information in the play, and they they are appalled. They are they they are saddened by it. And they become motivated to do something.
1: And that is incredible to hear. And I mean, just stemming off that, you know, you've already alluded to that people have reacted very well to seeing Sistas on a SIS on Fire. And you actually have, you know, to, to my, our current knowledge, you actually had three successful sold sort out of performances of it. So how does it feel to know that, like, the public is really not only enjoying the show, but they're actually learning and gaining, you know, viewpoints that they didn't have before even stepping in to see it.
3: It does my heart good because I think as African-American women, and I'd say as people of color in general, we have become a bit uh, disenchanted with um, society, American society in particular, And it does seem as if people do not care. (laughs) I think they do care. As I said, I, I think it's a question of awareness. And so we want to change that. As educators, Professor Moore and I, that's at the heart of what we do is to teach people but we wanted to be able to teach them in a way that was also entertaining, because I think that's what's been missing uh, from many of the progressive movements. It can be very dry and very dull, and often they're preaching to the choir. We wanted to be able to reach people from all walks of life, but we wanted to hold their attention, (laughs) and so... Um, When we are addressing the issue of unarmed African-American men who have been killed by the police, when we're talking about how black lives matter, instead of just preaching about that, we have put that into a soul-stirring song, which I actually feel uh, touches people in a way that perhaps a speech does not. Um, we have a poem about the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. Uh, we have a poem about uh, the racial stratification on Long Island. Um, we have a poem and a dance about how black really is beautiful and we need to embrace that. So. Um, I think that this is what makes this play unique. This is why people came out. As you noted, we had three sold-out performances when we were a part of the Midtown International Theatre Festival in July. We actually had to turn people away, um, which is why when we um, begin our run, For the New York New Works Theater Festival this October, I would tell people get those tickets early. Don't get caught out there again. (laughs) You know, Um, we are really proud to be a part of the New York New Works Theater Festival. Uh, They only select 30 to 40 shows from hundreds of submissions. Uh, the panel was composed of Broadway producers and Emmy and Tony Award winners. And so we're very proud that they, they selected our work as one of the 30 shows that they're going to be showcasing this October. Um, again, it tells us that though we may feel forgotten, though we may feel that uh, people don't really care about someone who is different from them. They don't care about the other. And we as African-American women and African-Americans, people of color, are the other. Um, That's not entirely true.
0: Okay. And I know you um, brought up some of the statistics that you said that you use in, in the play, uh, and I wanted to know, you know, if you could share with our audience just some of the statistics that people come up to you after your show and say that they didn't, they weren't uh, aware of that.
3: Well, I think the big one is that African-American women have the highest rate of depression. Did you know that?
0: No clue. No, definitely not.
3: We have the highest rate of depression. And I was just Reading recently, and I think it was in Oprah magazine, about how we are least likely to seek uh, mental health services. And I know that one crosses the genders, that African Americans in general are least likely to pursue therapy. But just noting that African American women have the highest rate of depression um, was shocking to many people. Um, there's a stereotype of African American women being very strong and 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 sort of tough. Um, that is a mask that we wear and have been taught to wear, and it's not really true. We'll have an attitude out in the street and then go home and cry all night. Um, that's what the real deal is. Um, we're facing both racism and sexism and high rates of poverty and when you're dealing with those three it is depressing so um people were that's the one that people came up to us afterwards and they were just blown away um by that fact
1: i mean that is an intense fact and you know i think you put it up in 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 such a great way of why it's attributed like there's so much that it's, it's it's crazy. It's like really double what what us men face because you have like you said the sexism, the racism, and poverty, and that's such a, a, an abundant thing in the community. But that it's it's I mean it's, it's shocking, but I guess when I when I hear this it, like it, it makes sense. But I would have never have like guessed to pull the statistics mm-hmm. out. So I mean I, I I I applaud you for like letting us know that because that definitely is something that makes you go oh my like that that's interesting to hear. And you know what do you feel like that um our community can do as a whole to help you know black women out and maybe bring this problem to more
3: light or awareness i think uh, providing more some emotional support even if it appears that the individual doesn't need it like i was saying we're really good at hiding our depression and um You know, I would even say for myself, my sons had no idea I was depressed because I was holding down um, a job and sometimes two jobs and making sure they had food, clothing, and shelter. But after I put them to bed, maybe around midnight, that's when I would start crying. (laughs) So... So, um I think what I needed, and what I wasn't getting, because people thought, "Wow, she's such a powerful woman. She's got it all together. Things are going well, I, I think um, perhaps more emotional support, um, a listening ear, um, and non-judgment, you know, when people reveal any form of weakness, and this has nothing to do with race or gender. You know, there's a, there's a tendency to look down on that individual who's revealing a weakness. I think it's important to just listen to people without judging them and understanding that it takes a great deal of courage to admit when you are depressed or when things are not perfect. You know, this is a society of cool. So everybody wants to seem like they've got it all together. and You're not supposed to reveal any type of imperfection. Um, As a result of that, there's a lot of pressure to actually be something that you're not or act like you're something that you're not. Um, I think as we share with each other um, our imperfections, you know, it can be as simple as saying, hey, you know, sometimes I get depressed when somebody else here's you being revealing, it makes them feel safer to reveal. So I think if people look beyond this veneer of, you know, this powerful, independent, professional black woman stereotype and, and um, say, hey, you know, sometimes I feel down. I don't know about you. Just even broaching that question um, can give um, African-American women that the outlet that they don't currently have.
0: And I, yeah, I definitely agree. Um, you know, talking about your problems, I feel like is definitely one way. Uh, and and not even just talking about your problems, but being able to talk freely without judgment right. is definitely a, a key to, uh, like you said, probably improving uh, the, the health of African-American women. So I definitely appreciate that uh, knowledge that you dropped. Um, and, I, you know, we also mentioned at the top that you were also a professor. Uh, so I wanted to kind of know you know how have you seen students evolve over over the time that you've been teaching from when you first started to now
3: well I wouldn't exactly say evolve is there a word called devolve (laughs) um yeah it's unfortunate I think they the crumbling public school system is at fault with what's currently going on in colleges today, so that students are entering college more and more unprepared. And it's not—I don't blame students. I—I I blame the educational system. The um, preparation that they should have had in high school just is not happening. And so um, many of them are winding up in remedial courses that are non-credit and that they have to pay for. So I think really um, parents of children who are in public school need to hold the schools uh, more accountable um, because you will literally have to pay for that later on. Um, we have a huge student debt crisis in this country, mainly because students, um, despite grants and financial aid, they often wind up taking a lot of um, non-credit courses or they fail courses um, because they were not given the proper tools prior to college. Uh, so it really behooves us to take a look at that public school system and, um, you know, get, get that back um, to where it was when I was in public
1: school. Yeah, and that's that's definitely definitely, that it's home to me because I I recently just had a baby girl, so you know I I as someone that went through the school system, and while I came out all right, it does concern me that you know the quality is going down, and that there are definitely things that weren't around back when I was um, attending school that are definitely, I could say, are are worse for being put put on. But one thing I wanted to highlight is, you know, when it comes to college, one of the majors that people easily kind of look down or, or blatantly ask, like, why is this your major, is English. And I know you graduated with your bachelor's degree in English, so what advice would you give to young English majors who may be facing doubt and uncertainty that that is the correct major for them to pursue?
3: Well, I would advise them to be open-minded about the type of career they should pursue. And I've often thought, you know, English prepares you for everything and nothing. (laughs) 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 You know, because you can do everything with English. Communication skills, writing, that's the basis for just about any, any profession, um, on the other hand, um, you don't you're you know more of a generalist. You don't have any specific training like you would if you were a business major or pre med or something. Um, but I know what it did for me was it allowed me to explore a number of different fields, and that's what I think is exciting about being an English major that you can be a chameleon of sorts and use those really basic. Strong communication skills that you learn, uh, majoring in English, uh, in, to be successful in a variety of fields.
0: Yeah, that's definitely something I haven't heard before. So you know, anyone who uh, who's uh, trying to major in English, I'll definitely uh, pass that advice along for sure. One um, of the one of the many different things that you do, you know, you do sisters on fire. Your professor. Um, I want to know: Do you have anything uh, that you're const- uh, currently in the works with, as as far as like a future venture that you would like to share with the audience?
3: Well, something else that I do—it's a project very close to my heart—is a youth program called Long Island Girl Talk, and in Long Island Girl Talk. Girls learn how to produce, research, write, film, edit, cast, direct, and star in their own television show about women's issues in their communities. And The reason I co-founded this along with Elaine Smith, who is a community um, activist and currently is our community outreach uh, director is because we were concerned about the lack of diversity in Hollywood. Yet, if you aren't um, encouraging um, girls of color to go into the field, then can you really complain about the lack of um, hiring? Because that's what um, most of these, uh, you know, uh, the companies in the the broadcasting and, and film industry say, hey, we didn't hire a person of color because no one applied. So we wanted to encourage girls to go into uh, film and, and television. And we also wanted to give them the technical training that girls uh, don't typically receive because there are many technical jobs in the television and film industry um, that are very highly qualified. Hey, but there are very few women who hold these jobs. I mean, when's the last time you saw a female uh, camera woman? It's just not, you know, something you see. We wanted girls to know, hey, you can, um, you know, do lighting. You can do sound. uh, You can do the camera. And so they produced this television show called Long Island Girl Talk. We have a YouTube channel if people want to check out some of the work they've done. Um, Keep in mind that the show is um, filmed by our girls. So if some of the episodes look a little bit rough, that's why. But we prefer that they actually do um, everything themselves. They come up with the content. And so that's something I'm doing that, like I said, is really close to my heart. We started it in 2013. Uh, We didn't know, (laughs) at at some point we weren't sure if we were going to be able to make it uh, past a year, but um, thanks to the um, grant funding we've received and um, the support we have gotten from the Nassau Community College Women's Studies Project and our current fiscal sponsor uh, the Carol Kestenbaum Foundation, uh, we've been able to last, and uh, we're making a difference in the lives of these girls in marginalized communities out here on Long Island. We're trying to expand the program because we'd like to see a Queens girl talk and a Brooklyn girls talk and a New Jersey girls talk. So, But um, we realized, you know, we got to start somewhere, so we started here on Long Island.
1: And that sounds like a gem. We appreciate and support that mission to the fullest. Miss McNair, you have been a revelation. We have thoroughly enjoyed your time here with us. We have gotten to the part where we have to ask you the last two questions, the famous Educate Hustle Two-Piece. The first question is always easy. Could you tell our audience how they can reach and connect with you?
3: Well, those who are interested in learning more about Sisters on Fire and especially would like information about the New York New Works Theater Festival performances should go to sistersonfire.com. Remember that's S-I-S-T-A-S. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Sisters. That's sistersonfire.com. We also have a Facebook page, which we update on a regular basis. And that really is the best way to uh, get in touch with me. If people are interested in learning more about Long Island Girl Talk, they can simply email longislandgirltalk at gmail.com. And we also have a YouTube channel. And they can see some of the episodes that the girls have done. So um, I think that's the primary ways that uh, people should uh, reach out to me.
1: All right. I mean, that they all sound great. We, 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 we encourage everyone to definitely reach out. She's doing amazing things with the people she's working with, the partners. And I only expect for things to get even better for you in the future. So the last question. The, no problem. The last question. Uh, no pressure, just the last words that, you know, the audience is going to hear from you today. But could you give us some parting wisdom to leave us off with on the show?
3: Ooh, you saved the hardest question for last.
1: You, no pressure, right? <laughs> <laughs> just the last words, though.
3: So. My last words would be, and I'm going to fall back on what I write when I am signing each copy of my novel for someone who's purchased it. Keep following your dreams. Um, I certainly have done that. And it can take a long time, but don't give up on your dreams. Uh, We started Sisters on Fire back in 2007. It is now 2017. Uh, We had to be persistent and not give up. And so keep following your dreams no matter what it is.
1: And that just sounds like money to me. Oh my great. Oh my goodness. Missing there. You've been amazing. We really appreciated having you on the show today. I think you've definitely given me and Paul a new insight perspective on not only African American women, but just things in society. And we strongly urge everyone, if they can make it out, please, please, please go see Sisters on Fire because from what we're hearing from you, it sounds like something that you have to, have to watch and experience for yourself.
0: And there you have it, folks. That was Marsha McNair dropping us that knowledge and providing that content we all need and love. Emilia, what you think, man?
1: It was amazing. I think she definitely brought a different caliber to guests that we usually have on, and just to get a playwright, a professor, and 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 a, and a writer in one like that's it's amazing. And she really brought a lot of details and 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 and. Snippets of of not only her work but life in general that, you know, we don't normally address on the show but I think it still was great to hear her talk about and it definitely made me want to, you know, I was a little bit jealous I'm not in New York so I could see the show because I think it, it sounds like it'd be a great experience to go to and see live.
0: Yeah, I agree, man. Um, You know, it's cool that she incorporates all the different works that she does. You know, she's a professor and she's also a playwright but she seems to have a central vision which is to uplift, you know, African American women, and put them in places of power, give them, uh, you know, opportunities to succeed where uh, most people don't really see the opportunities. So um, it's just really cool that she has created something, and it took her, you know, ten years to kind of foster the the play. And uh, like she said in her at the end of her speech, was you know. It's going to take time for your dreams to come true, but don't give up. It's really it's really about being relentless and seeing the vision all the way through to fruition.
1: Exactly, exactly. But you know what else we got to see, too? For tuition, how you, yes, you. Can reach us. Educators can reach you for a variety of different means on social media. We are on Snapchat at Educate Hustle. That's all one word: Educator the Hustle. There we post behind the scenes, little snippets of inspiration to let you know what's going on throughout the week and get you inspired. We are also on Instagram at Educate Hustle Podcast. Once again, that is Educate Hustle Podcast. There we post little photos about new episodes of that week, and if you're lucky, and you ask nicely, Paul may curate some personal inspirational hype to get you through the week. We are also on Facebook. You can like our page by searching Educate Hustle. It's two words, Educate Hustle. You know you've reached the right page because you'll see that logo that you guys all know and love. And now, before I begin, you know, plugging, team up, plug. Like I want to get into some utter plugin. If you haven't already, please review and rate us on iTunes. It's such an easy thing to do. All you have to do is go to the iTunes app on your phone or your computer, search Educator Hustle, two words, you'll see our show logo. Click it in the middle. There's going to be a connoisseur's review. Once you click that, you have to give us a five-star, 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 five-star rating, and then give us a title of the review, and write a little something in for the summary. It could be something short and sweet as it's lit, or something long and deep as it's still lit. Either way, we take any and all reviews because we're trying to get the show up there because remember the more reviews you get the more awareness it brings the more awareness it brings the more guests we get the more guests we get the better shows that you get so please 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 do your part of you have not already rate and review us and now let me end that plugging to get back into some more plugging if you want to get at us probably the easiest way to do it is through Twitter. We do a lot of daily interactions. goes right to our phone, and our Twitter is at Educator underscore Hustle. Once again, that's at Educator underscore Hustle. And last but not least, if you feel like the show was great, you feel like we really changed your life, or you want to collab, or even possibly get onto the show and let your story be told, do not hesitate to email us at podcast at gmail.com. Once again, that is podcast at gmail.com.
0: Yes, sir. And you got to lead us out, bro. Lead us out.
1: I know. It's been a while since we got to do it, so I got to – I'll try and make it as best as I can. But people, 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 enjoy the opportunities, enjoy the things in life that happen that you have may have not even thought were possible but yet still shine through. It's very easy to get stuck in the rut and very easy to feel like that your life does not change, but it will change. All you got to do is go out and claim it. You know, there's a lot of opportunities out there. There's a lot of adventures out there. You have to go out and you have to say – I want it, I need it, and go out and do it. You know, your life's not going to change by coming home every day, watching Netflix, sitting on the couch. You got to do some opportunities. You got to, you know, maybe go online and fill out an application. Maybe take that take that trip you always wanted to take. Or maybe you get it that hobby that you wanted to start. We have a lot of people that listen that want to start a podcast and don't know what to do. And our number one advice is just do it. So please, 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 people do not be afraid to take that next step. Life will not change unless you are a active and progressive force in making it change for you.
0: Yes, sir. And once again, you got to stay educated and keep hustling.
2: With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry.